Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of an Ingenious You Mini. I'm delighted to be joined for this episode by Dr. Lauren Way, who directs the Baypath University Master of Science degree in Higher Ed Administration, and also Dr. Mena Pratt-Clark, who serves as Vice President for Strategic Affairs and Vice Provost for Inclusion and Diversity at Virginia Tech. Dr. Pratt-Clark is our featured presenter for our upcoming Leading Edge Thinking in Higher Education free webinar on March 23rd at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time. Her topic is Innovative and Authentic Solutions for Addressing Racial Injustice on Your Campus. I'm so pleased to turn the microphone over to Dr. Wei for a conversation with Dr. Pratt-Clark about her upcoming webinar and this very important topic. Hello, this is Lauren Way here at Baypath University. And hello, Mena. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's my pleasure. Thank you. Excellent. You know, my graduate students love reading your books and publications. Um, but today, I, I want to ask you about you and your current work. Um, I wonder if we could start by um, just having you tell us a bit about your current work at Virginia Tech and the journey that's brought you there. Sure. So I serve as uh, the Vice President for Strategic Affairs and Diversity. So I've combined, my title's been combined now. And I oversee Strategic Affairs, which is the strategic planning process for the university. But it also includes an interesting element of this Council on Virginia Tech history, where we're looking at our history as an institution and some of the founding legacy of being on Native American land but also being an institution that had enslaved Africans on land. So I oversee that work, um, the strategic planning of the Council on Virginia Tech's history, but I also lead our diversity and inclusion efforts. So um, as in a, not formally a chief diversity officer, but informally that is the role. And so I've been doing work around diversity, equity, and inclusion probably for almost 25 years. I've been at Virginia Tech for about five years. Um, I'm also a full professor um, of education and continue my scholarship. I don't teach, but I continue to do research that looks at issues of humanity and identity. And publications, which everyone benefits from as well, all over the country. So excellent. Was there anything in particular um, in your journey that brought you specifically there and to this role? Was there anything specifically that really interested you about this work and, and, and made you choose Virginia Tech in particular? Yeah, so I was at University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and I'd been there about 10 years doing a similar role and was offered the opportunity to interview at Virginia Tech. And I would say the defining um, quality of Virginia Tech that keeps me here, that drew me here and keeps me here is Virginia Tech's motto. The motto is Ut Prosum, that I may serve. And so embedded within the philosophy and the mindset of the institution is this value of service. Now it started off in the military context because we are a military institution. We're one of six military institutions in the United States. We have a Corps of Cadets. And so the military mindset uh, is is grounded as part of the philosophy of the institution. And so this idea of service was originally part of a military philosophy, but it's been brought into how do we serve humanity? And what I like about the concept of Ut Prosum and service is it is a 
a wonderful way to integrate issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so our in, we have a concept that we call inclusive VT. And we define that as the institutional and individual commitment to the motto, Uprosum, that I may serve in the spirit of community, diversity, and excellence. And so our motto has been integrated into our diversity philosophy and approach. And, and I, I think it has enabled our institution to have a, a larger buy-in and support for the work of, of diversity and inclusion because of its connection to the motto. That is so interesting. I think it actually serves to underscore how institution-specific diversity and inclusion efforts can be. Um, and I think that's a, a really terrific example, possibly a model, but again, it it's very institution-specific. Um, you know, I'm curious what you would describe as the current climate in higher education as it relates to equity inclusion. What are you seeing at colleges and universities across the country? You know, I'm going to use a funny word to describe the climate, but I think it's accurate. I'm going to say it's a nervousness. <laughs> I think Good point. Nervous about, you know, what to do, what's happening, how do we respond, what's the right thing. So there's a nervous energy, but there's also an urgency. So everybody knows they have to do something. Um, and it's compounded by the January 6th um, insurrection attempt um, around democracy. And so when you combine the pandemic and the inequities that have arisen from the pandemic economically and healthcare, you combine the summer of civil rights that, you know, in my mind, civil rights challenges and issues of relationships between African-Americans and the police have always been part of conversations, but the summer exacerbated that awareness of me with the January 6th issues around democracy and whiteness and white privilege and um, racism and white supremacy. And then you, put all that on college campus. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, what do we do? So I just see this nervousness and um, urgency and everybody's just hustling. I'm not sure that institutions have been able to be thoughtful as they need to be, but I think the reality of the pandemic and the Zoom and the virtual world and the deaths and the... Um, real injustice arising now from vaccine distributions. And I, I, I think there's just a hustling going on of everybody trying as hard as they can from an administrative level, from a professor level, to think about how do we really navigate the a very new environment for higher education. That is, those are such good descriptors. The, hus I, just the hustling, the nervousness, I, I think it's the urgency the urgency makes us not think clearly. It, you know, higher ed likes to step back and do things slowly and move sort of at a glacial pace sometimes, which is really not where we are today, but how it was traditionally. And and I think having an urgency makes us sort of, you know, wonder what 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 are we doing? What are they doing? What should we do? Well, what are we doing? Well, what should we, without taking the time to you know to plan, which is what we usually are good at, just sort of long range, but. 
yeah, um, that's a great way to describe it. I, what, so what would you say might be, say one or two promising best practices that you've seen that you think others could or should um, consider adopting in, in response to this? Well, I think everybody has recognized, and I think it has extended into the corporate space, you know, a need for this position of a chief diversity officer. So universities and institutions that didn't have it or had someone part-time, there's a greater awareness of the need to have someone to help shepherd this work. Um, I, I think there's a growing need in higher ed of recognizing that it can't just be a chief diversity officer at the university level, but that colleges in particular also need to have someone doing this work at that level. And so I'm increasingly seeing more colleges at, at um, you know, of agriculture, of science, of liberal mm -hmm. arts and human sciences. So at the college level of a university, having chief diversity officers. And I, and I think that is important to have someone at that level shepherding faculty diversity issues, um, curricular issues, student diversity issues, climate issues. I mean, much of diversity is very local. It's the place, place, the place and space where people interact every day, and it's diversity at that local level. And so, having a diversity officer at a college level, I think, is an, a growing practice that I've seen. And more institutions are trying to have diversity strategic plans and integrate those into their university plan. I mean, one of the unique benefits of my role is I hold two seats. And so in helping the university develop its strategic plan, I was able to make sure that diversity was fully integrated and not an appendix to the plan, but part of the plan. And then to encourage the campus to have what we call diversity implementation plans. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. So so lo being local and at the local level is is sounds like it's key. I, do you think that the officers are sort of sharing strategies at sort of the national level? Like, would you, you know, would you say there's a, a sharing of of, of strategies or um, or methods going on? I mean, there there are organizations like um, the National Association for Diversity Officers in Higher Education. They're having their conference soon. Um, that's been an important place for collegiality. There are a lot of listservs, a lot of Facebook groups. But what I've realized is that every, as, as we started our conversation, every institution has its own culture. And what might work well at one institution absolutely cannot move forward at another so institution. So true. Yeah, so, so true. You know, and yeah. I, I, yeah, with that same thing in mind, something our listeners might like to know is, have you seen any common mistakes across college campuses um, that are working on equity issues? Have you seen things that you'd like to say, hey, this is not it, this is not the way that... Um, any any mistakes or or, or um, things you would want to help address? Well, one common mistake is hiring the chief diversity officer, which is often a person of color, and situating them in a position without power. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I wrote a blog post this summer about you know the nearly impossible job of being a chief diversity officer. Because here you are often as a person of color being asked to correct the injustice <laughs> caused by those who are not people of color. 
and being put in very difficult places and spaces, but often without power or resources and being drawn into every single conversation on every single issue without the ability, without a staff, without a team, without a budget um, to, to do the work. And so the urgency and the nervousness, it's like, oh, gosh, we've got to go find somebody to do this. And then putting them in an office without the resources to do the work. I have seen that. I have heard that the exhaustion of these diversity officers in in the work. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate um, at the level of commitment at Virginia Tech. And I share I started this work with a team of two people. And through a variety of efforts, the team is almost 30 individuals. And so when the civil rights, new civil rights efforts happened, we were able to do a lot of really incredible programs and educational efforts and outreach efforts because it wasn't just me. But I have heard from many colleagues and friends across the country that they are the person of one or the person of two trying to navigate it all. I, I just think that's a terrible burden to have placed to be placing on people of color. And sometimes they're also white women in these roles to steward a responsibility that's not theirs. <laughs> and then get them for accountability. It's like, okay, what have you done? It's like, are you kidding me? You know, you've had 150 years of injustice at this institution. <laughs> you're looking at me, you know, day five. It's like, how are you gonna fix us? It's like, no, what are you gonna do? So it's, it's a very complicated space. So I, in this rush of the nervousness that I talked about and the urgency, it's like, let's just get somebody. But then we're safe. Somebody's there. We got someone in the spot. Yeah. So now we can turn on, turn around and do something else and let them do their magic. And that's really not putting it into a campus wide effort. That's correct. Yeah. 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 It's really the buy-in is a slow process, you know, Absolutely. To, to really build that. So, wow. Um, well, we've got a, a webinar coming up um, in a few weeks. Can you share a brief snippet from your upcoming webinar? Maybe what one or two uh, takeaways might be that participants can expect and and maybe talk a little about who could benefit most from this webinar? Sure. So the webinar is called Innovative and Authentic Solutions for Addressing Racial Injustice on Your Campus. And so as I've been thinking about just the content, there are actual strategies that are important to deal with these issues of injustice and inequity. And I think one of the unique perspectives that I bring that I will be sharing is my background is both as a lawyer. So I have a law degree and have been trained as a lawyer and practice law. But I'm also um, a scholar of sociology, so I have a PhD in sociology. And so the lens that I use to do this work is a transdisciplinary lens informed by legal, critical race theory, and also sociology, theoretical, and methodological approaches. And so I have a unique framework that I've been able to pull from different disciplines to have, a, have an approach to thinking about the issues, to analyzing issues, and then to be implementing solutions. And so during the webinar, I'll share the framework, I'll share some bits and pieces of examples of how I've used the framework to lay it on top of an existing area of injustice or area of inequity or issue of social justice at an institution, and to use that framework to help lead change. So that, that's what I'll share a couple of those strategies and examples during during the webinar. So I think anyone who's a scholar of issues of 
social justice, anyone who's a practitioner of those issues, students who are just intellectually curious. I think there's a little bit for both scholars who are just intellectually interested, but also practitioners and those who are really, you know, interested in doing the work or those who want to be allies as well. Mena and Lauren, thanks so very much for this valuable window into your upcoming webinar. The webinar is entitled Innovative and Authentic Solutions for Addressing Racial Injustice on Your Campus. This is scheduled for March 23rd at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time. The webinar is free and we will include a registration link in the show notes for this episode. Dr. Pratt-Clark is truly an expert professional in this field. She has lived the journey for many years, and her insights will be invaluable for any professional who is working to improve the equity and inclusion climate on your campus. So please do join us for this very important presentation. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and be well.